We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And good Monday, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today. Good to be with you on this uh, beautiful, at least it's a beautiful day here, winter day uh, here in our home base in Tupelo, Mississippi. We hope the weather's cooperating with you uh, as we head back into another work week. You know, this is an election year. And if you're the party in power, it's probably a pretty good idea to be in tune with the, the priorities of the voters. We're just but nine months away from people going to the polls. Well, there's a poll out this morning that is really bad news for the Democrats. I mean, really bad news. It shows that the Democrats are basically out of touch with voter priorities in this country. It's a poll from the Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. I say that because... Uh, Associated Press, uh, not a conservative organization by any stretch of the imagination. Well, this poll finds that management of the coronavirus pandemic, once an issue that strongly favored President Joe Biden and the Democrats, is beginning to recede in the minds of Americans. COVID-19 is increasingly overshadowed by concerns about the economy and personal finances, particularly inflation, which are topics that could lift Republicans. Now, if you want to read the whole story, you can go to American Family News, AFN News, and uh, read the story there. But listen to this, folks. The numbers are very telling. Just 37% of Americans name the virus as one of their top five priorities, compared with 53% who said it was a leading priority at the same time a year ago. The economy outpaced the pandemic in the open-ended question with 68%, almost 70% of respondents mentioning it in some way as a top 2022 concern. A similar percentage said that same as the same last year, but mentions of inflation are much higher now, 14% this year compared with less than 1% last year. You know, it kind of reminds me, uh, back in 1992, remember James Carville? He was an advisor to Bill Clinton. Famous, famous phrase. What did James Carville say? It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, stupid. And guess what? Bill Clinton went on to be president of the United States. Uh, despite Monica Lewinsky problems, uh, he stayed around for eight years. And that's the case is where we are right now. Here's what's happening. Pandemic, certainly. People really concerned, especially 2020 and then 2021. But what has happened is, is this country is saying, hey, we have to learn to live with this. You know, Joe Biden, during the election campaign, remember the promises uh, that he made? Uh, you know, he, he said he was, he was going to deal with the, the pandemic. He was going to shut down the virus and but he wasn't going to shut down the economy. Have a listen to this. Together, not pull us apart. 
I'll put in place a plan to deal with this pandemic responsibly. I've already done it. I've said it before. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country, but I'm going to shut down the virus. Before. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. What I would say is I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. Here's my prediction. What you just heard is going to be the first Republican ad during this election campaign because Joe Biden has failed on both fronts. Now, everybody knows political parties of all stripes, they, they make election promises, but that was quite a promise. Joe Biden said he was going to get rid of the virus without shutting down the economy. And now we're, here we are, the 10th day of January 2022 election year, and it sure doesn't look that way. In fact, recently, President Joe Biden basically said, we're going to have to live with this virus, folks. Uh, we're now into the Omicron variant of that. And uh, I say, fortunately, if, if, if you have fallen uh, victim to this virus, it, perhaps it's, it's got you laid up for a while. But the scientists have told us, and it's, this started in South Africa two, th- two, three months ago, that it comes in roaring like a lion, this Omicron variant. But for the most part, the symptoms are fairly weak. You may even be asymptomatic with it. And then it leaves fairly quickly. And so we've reached a point where the science, which is what we've been told we need to listen to, the science is telling us this is likely going to continue, which is why the definition of fully vaccinated has been changing. First, it was a couple of jabs and you're fully vaccinated. Well, now they're saying a couple of jabs and then a booster, and another booster, and another booster, et cetera, et cetera. So here's where the American public really is at this point. We're going to have to live with this, just like the flu. You know, we kind of all got used to that. And you may take a flu shot each year. You may not. And just hope that your antibodies are are going to work for you. And that's the way it's going to be. And that's where the American public is. But right now, according to this poll, and this ought not to be a surprise, close to 70% are saying it is the economy. And here's why. Because they're pulling up to a gas station and they're finding gas is almost a dollar more than it was a year ago. They're going to their grocery store. And related somewhat to gasoline prices are food prices. They're finding, I was in a grocery store on the weekend. I couldn't get over it. Still empty shelves in many cases. They're running into that. And, of course, things are costing more. As the poll notes, uh, we're, we're talking 6 7% inflation. And that inflation is not going to go away either. So that's where we are. So the question is, what are the Democrats going to do about this? Because you will remember on Friday, a couple of states and other entities went before the United States Supreme Court. They're trying to put an end to Joe Biden's vaccine mandates. By the way, uh, the, a couple of the mandates supposedly kick in today, so we're expecting a decision by the United States Supreme Court pretty soon, uh, at the very least, uh, to put a hold on those mandates, with perhaps a more in-depth decision down the way a little bit. But uh, so there you have it. People are losing their jobs. You look at the military. Already hundreds of Air Force people, 
military army people, some Marines, perfectly healthy individuals are being thrown out because they're refusing the vaccine. There are thousands that are waiting for a religious exemption, but as far as we know, no religious exemptions have been given to our military. So imagine you're Joe Biden and the Democrats, and you've thrown thousands of military men and women who have put their lives on the line for this country, you're throwing them out because they haven't taken the shot. Now you add to that, we're at the point in all of this, that people who have taken the shots and taken a booster are still getting COVID and they're passing it along to other people. The American people aren't stupid. They're sitting there and saying, wait a minute, you're throwing out these healthy individuals out of the military. You've got some corporations that have already started this. Don't take the vaccine, you don't have a job. I think it's Citicorp is, 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 I think there are thousands of workers there have until, I believe it is the 14th of January to make a decision or they're going to lose their jobs. Despite what the science is showing us right now, what the facts are showing us. In fact, people interviewed for this AP NORC poll are basically saying, you know, we just have to learn to live with this. Bottom line in all of this, because their major concern is the economy. And for a lot of moms and dads, it's getting their kids back in school. I cannot believe what's going on in Chicago. This is the fourth day that the teachers union has decided not to show up to work. There are over 300,000 kids affected by this. Moms and dads want their kids back in school. We've all heard the stories of how being out of school, being forced to learn from home through Zoom or whatever the case may be, the impact that's having on kids, the psychological impact that's having on kids. The American people believe they can at least learn to live with this, and they want to move on, and they want to see things improved. So it's a big problem for the Democrats. And they're not showing any signs of letting up. I doubt very much you're going to see President Joe Biden address the nation and saying, forget about the mandates. In fact, some people have said that this is pure speculation, that Joe Manchin actually hopes the Supreme Court rules against his mandates. He's hoping that so he can avoid the embarrassment of having to go before the people and saying the mandates are a bad idea. We'll have to wait and see on that. As I mentioned, uh, the Supreme Court heard arguments on Friday with regards to dropping these mandates. And there there are three, and we're not surprised by the three justices on the Supreme Court, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Breyer, who are all liberal. And in their questioning or their statements on Friday, uh, when these uh, these hearing the hearing took place, they're all in with Joe Biden on mandates, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor got herself in trouble, and it was picked up on the weekend. She said at one point in her statements, "I'll let you have a listen to it. It's cut number six. Um, we have hospitals that are almost at full capacity." with people is severely ill on ventilators. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in, in serious condition, and uh, many on ventilators. Without um, some workplace rules, 
uh, uh, with respect to vaccines or encouraging vaccines, because this is not a vaccine mandate, and, uh, and requiring masking, uh, and requiring isolation of people who have tested for COVID. 100,000 kids in hospital. She was off a little bit. There are just over 3,000. Now, that's not a conservative media opinion. No, that's, that's the actual fact. The CDC says that. Where did she get the idea that 100,000 kids are in hospital? So, many of them, she said, were on ventilators. Where, where did she come up with this? Yet she this is this is a justice of the United States Supreme Court. And you begin to scratch your head and you're saying, you know, we're just spewing this stuff. That's all that's going on here. Well, fortunately, on the weekend, Brett Baer at Fox News, uh, <laughs> he questioned the head of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, about this. And she hummed and hawed, but had to admit, it's just over 3,000. And then there was another part there, if you were listening to that, uh, that clip we just played of uh, Sonia Just uh, Sotomayor, she said it's it's not a mandate. Now I I was listening to this live. They 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 allowed the audio of the hearing out. I was listening to this. I said, what, what what? It's not a mandate. That's why we're in court today. It is a mandate. I, honestly, I I don't know if she wasn't feeling well on Friday, but this is what the left has been doing because they think they can get away with saying almost anything because. The mainstream media, for the most part, are just lapdogs for the Democratic Party. That's where we are with all of this. But you know what? This poll, to go back as we started this segment, this poll is showing, it's very encouraging, the American people aren't stupid. The American people live in reality, unlike Joe Biden and many of the Democrats. They're looking at the price of groceries, they're seeing the impact on their kids, and they're saying, no more. We want to change. And I'm not sure how the Democrats are going to respond to all of this. We'll have to wait and see. All right. You're listening to AFA at the core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today. We have much more ahead. The Democrats have other things on their agenda, folks. And you want to listen to this right back after the break. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The city lies four square, its length, width, and height all equal, 1,380 miles for each dimension. The city's wall is 216 feet high, 12 gates around the city, with each gate made of a single pearl. Streets of gold so pure, they're translucent. No need for a sun, God's glory lights the city. No tears, no pain, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Bullying is an issue that continues to plague girls today. Whether it is orchestrated online or in person, bullying can have lasting effects on the receiver. It's crucial for parents to have a response plan at their disposal in the event that a bullying situation should arise. Assist your daughter with the following actions. Listen, label, address, and pray. By listening intently, you can gather the full picture. From the details, you can label whether the behavior is an unkind instance or bullying behavior. After that, address the situation by finding solutions with your daughter that will work for her comfort level. Lastly, pray together for the other child. Often children who are hurting begin hurting others. Matthew 5.44 tells us, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. How does preborn compete with Planned Parenthood? Preborn centers are located in the highest abortion cities in the U.S. that account for 52% of abortions nationwide. Day after day, week in and week out, preborn is there, providing hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the message of Jesus Christ. Here's Dan Steiner, president of Preborn. We are making tremendous inroads. We're there not to generate a dollar like Planned Parenthood, but rather to care for these women. While Preborn receives no government funding, Planned Parenthood is granted hundreds of millions of dollars each year by our government. Would you join American Family Radio and Preborn this week as we rescue 3,000 babies? One ultrasound session costs $28, and $140 will sponsor five ultrasounds. Call now at 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. Or donate at AFR.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And we are back on this Monday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for... Walker Wildman today. Walker will be back in the chair in just a few days. A couple of more things on the COVID front. Some interesting headlines, again, that uh, came up during the weekend. Uh, This from Fox News. Almost half of reported New York COVID-19 hospitalizations are not due to COVID-19. This is very interesting. There's there's a question now, and uh, the head of the CDC, uh, Walensky, was asked about this on Fox during the weekend. Could she give a breakdown of how many people died of COVID versus with COVID? There's a difference. Because there are people who have been admitted to hospital over the last two years. They're in there for other reasons, uh, other illnesses. Once they get in there with to be treated for those illnesses, they test them and they test positive. But what's happening is, is that many of these people, at least if the way the CDC numbers have been released, would lead you to believe that the over 800,000 deaths over the last two years were all caused by COVID. All right, there's a difference. Deaths because of COVID, deaths of people who were tested positive with COVID, but they died for other reasons. So uh, that's something, that's a distinction. When she was asked about this, Walensky was asked about this, uh, Brett Bayer asked, is there a breakdown? She said, well, no, we don't have the data yet. I found that hard to believe because we're two years into this. Surely hospitals, if they're reporting with integrity, would be able to give us those, at least some of those numbers by now. 
dying with COVID versus dying of COVID. There is a huge difference. There's another story that also came out on the weekend, and this kind of blew my mind. California has now gone from mandating vaccines to forcing COVID-positive healthcare employees to work. Don't know if you've heard this. You know, first they were telling them, you're out of here. Don't come back to work. You test positive for COVID. Or you're not vaccinating. We don't want you working here anymore. But now things have become so dire. They're so short of medical personnel. They're changing the game here. So that, okay, you test positive for COVID, but we're going to let you come back in and work. All right. Well, by golly, I thought the science told us, no, you can't do that. Can't People were, as I say, we're being let go. But now if you test positive for COVID, this is the new kind of procedure in California. We're going to let you come back in and we're going to let you work. Um, this is what happens, folks, when you make public policy on the fly or public policy that you think is going to keep scaring people. Hey, we're talking about the poll off the top of the show there. I think the scare is gone. The Democrats have been depending on scaring people for a long time now, and and the American people are just worn out with it. And they're also we're also two years into it, and as we were saying earlier, people are just saying, you know what? We're just going to have to learn to deal with this like we've dealt with the flu for so many years now. All right. Well, listen, there are other things going on as part of the Democrat agenda. You probably saw news stories if you didn't witness some of it live last Thursday. It was the anniversary of the January 6th riots at the U.S. Capitol. And we knew this was coming. The Democrats were going to try to make big hay of this. The President of the United States, Joe Biden, the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, went to the U.S. Capitol, made speeches, uh, basically condemning what happened on January 6th, as we said before. Uh, those who created damage and havoc uh, need to face justice uh, for, for what they did. But the favorite term, the favorite term, uh, has of the Democrats and their good friends in the mainstream media has been insurrection. Insurrection. Now, perhaps initially, I think a lot of people just thought, well, you know, it's a pretty strong word and shouldn't be surprised that Democrats are using it, the mainstream media. But it turns out there's a little bit more to this. Uh, that insurrection actually turns out to be a legal term. And there are considerations about using that in a legal way. And joining me in studio right now is our very own uh, Rob Chambers. He's vice president of AFA Policy and Legislative Affairs. Rob, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Fred. Yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, during the president's speech last Thursday there at the U.S. Capitol, he, he went from saying how terrible it was what happened on January 6th last year to, of course, pointing his guns at Donald Trump and also Trump followers. And uh, what I didn't know then, but uh, we have since found out, there is the word insurrection is actually part of the Constitution. I think it's, is it Amendment 14? It is, yes. It's in so the, tell yes. us a little bit about that, how yeah, that got in 14th, into yeah. uh, 14th Amendment. So, so there is, uh, to the Constitution, a 14th Amendment. There are several sections there. And within the third section of the 14th Amendment, it basically says, it's talking about no person 
Uh, but, but by the way, this this comes out of the uh, the Civil War. So they did not um, after uh, the war was over. They were uh, in that process. They were not wanting people to be in, enter into Congress that would be uh, insurrectionist and uh, basically up in what uh, what had uh, transpired. And so, so basically, the Fourteenth Amendment, Section Three, says no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress, or elector, or president and vice president, or hold any office, civil or militarily, under the U.S. or any state, uh, and extends to the state legislature. Any person uh, whom quote shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort comfort uh, to the enemies thereof. End quote. So. Insurrection, it's a very strong term. It is. But it really refers to an armed effort, people Mm -hmm. with weapons trying to take over a government. Am I stretching things there? I don't think so. It's a a very strong term. And uh, what's interesting is, is the Constitution does not define the word insurrection or rebellion. It just says that uh, those that would be engaged in that, you know, would not be able to serve. Okay, well, there is such a thing as the Insurrection Act, and so that gives uh, Congress uh, the, and the president the ability to uh, call forth a, a militia, which would be mm-hmm. you know, bearing arms. So why, if, if, you know, if a militia is called forth to bear arms to put down an insurrection, then why would they be carrying arms to a group that, that were not bearing arms, for example, as mm-hmm. such is the case in the... Uh, in the January 6th event there in Washington, D.C. So, you know, the Congress, the, the law says that the, that there can be called forth a, a militia to counter an insurrection. So why would the Congress be taking, uh, allowing uh, a military action against a group of people who have no arms at all? So, okay, so this was brought in during the Civil War. Right. So we hear that some Democrats are actually, it's not, it's still on the books, right? Yes, that's right. It's still on the books. So, and, and of course, it sat there, and nobody has tried to use it in recent history. But now we understand that some Democrats are actually attempting to do that, and it starts to make sense why the Democrats keep calling it insurrection. Well, the, he who defines the terms oftentimes wins the arguments. Okay, and so here's in case in point, they are trying to, uh, Democrats are trying to define the word insurrection to include uh, what I believe would be uh, something is uh, limited to what would be protest or even uh, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, or even freedom of speech. And I believe they're wanting to to, uh, uh, paint over that, uh, those activities, and define those as insurrection. So, so people who would be protesting, yeah, they're now labeling them as um, as insurrectionists. Well, wait a minute. I think we had some protesters in Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland who did. They were there protesting. What, was there was there a Congresswoman Maxine <laughs> Waters? Waters, I think that that may have uh, called for the. Uh, uh, I guess by comparatively comparative terms, uh, insurrection. You know. I, it's hard to believe that even Democrats would try to pull this this one off. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I 
I, I guess anything's possible these days. Well, they're they're reaching, uh, Fred. In my opinion, they're reaching uh, for for something. They see that um, that they're going to be losing. Uh, I think this is they're looking into the midterm elections. They're trying to do whatever they can to to uh, cause Republicans to lose as many seats as possible to increase their chances of maintaining uh, the House and not lose the Senate. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens here, but. Uh, there is one thing for sure that the Democrats are up to, and that is trying to get rid of the filibuster mm-hmm. so they can push through their voting act. So first, I, I want you to explain for our audience what the Democrat agenda is when it comes to trying to pass. Now, they, they used the January 6th anniversary to say we must, and I think I actually heard the phrase a number of times, we must do something to save our democracy uh, because they're trying to paint... Not our republic, but our democracy. Our democracy. We must do something to save our democracy. And basically, the agenda is uh, they want the feds to take control of elections across the country. Is that an exaggeration? That is not an exaggeration at all. If, if in fact, uh, if you will go and – and by the way, the the first 10 bills that are introduced into Congress – uh, that is by the U.S. House of Representatives and by uh, the Senate, the first 10 bills that are introduced are the the top issues uh, that are taken up by the leadership. And they're number one, two, three. three. Yep. Yes. Okay. All right. So H.R. 1, which is House of Representatives Bill 1 and S. 1, those are both this bill that's called basically it's the Freedom to Vote Act. That was their, That is their top priority, number one. Nothing else before that, but it, this is Freedom to Vote Act. Well, they've uh, come up with a, quote, compromise bill that's uh, Senate Bill 2747, and uh, it was taken up uh, late last year, and it failed on a, to, uh, to, to uh, it didn't uh, prevail against the filibuster. So, so that's why Schumer and them are saying, well, we need to nuke the filibuster. And, and of course, just the uh, filibuster basically is you need 60 votes to, right. to pass a piece of legislation. Now, it's very interesting. Um, well, let me back up. You need 60 votes to, uh, it's what they call motion to proceed. You need you need 60 votes to end debate. Right. Then you can move on to vote, which is by majority. All right. So right now, uh, the way things stand with the filibuster in place, Chuck Schumer would have to have 10 Republicans join Democrats in order to have this bill proceed, right? Correct. Correct. Under normal order, yes. Yes. So uh, Chuck Schumer has said if he doesn't get his way, he'll start as early as next week. He believes an effort to get rid of that filibuster. In other words, they only need those 50 votes, 50 Democrats plus Kamala Harris right. to get it through. Now, I want you to have a listen to Chuck Schumer from 2005. Uh-oh. 2005. Chuck Schumer. And you know what? Uh, boy, he loved the filibuster back then. He sure did. Cut number eight. Bottom line is very simple. The ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the founding fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. We will not let them. They want, because they can't get their way on every judge, to change the rules in midstream to wash away 200 years of history. They want to make this country into a banana republic where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. Are we going to let them? No! 
It'll be a doomsday for democracy if we do. Boy, I'm sure glad we have the ability to record voices. <laughs> 2005, George Bush That's was right. president of the United States. The Republicans control the Senate, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, filibuster was in place. And uh, some Republicans wanted to get rid of the filibuster. Okay, they had the majority. And uh, they needed Democrat votes in order to proceed with their legislation. Right. And Chuck Schumer basically said it would be the end of our country. And in fact, any effort to get rid of the filibuster is like uh, we'd become a banana republic. I have to want, you know, I, I, I was on today's issues earlier today. Right. I think Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell should play that in the Senate if Chuck Schumer or get up and read Chuck Schumer's speech. Sure. From 2005. Yeah. And it entered it into the record. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're serious about this. They're, oh, very much so. Yes. They, yeah, they, yeah. They'd like to get rid of the filibuster to save our democracy. Well, they're, they're claiming, you know, the, the issue is, is that they don't want uh, conservative voters showing up and, and voting um, for you know, Republican legislators, senators, uh, mm. members of the House. They don't want that. They don't want that to take place. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, it, it, it's interesting times, but I, I thought that clip from 2005 and Chuck Schumer, you know, uh, well, well, I'm not sure how many news outlets will play that. Well, well, what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to pass this uh, this Voting uh, Rights Act, this piece of legislation. And basically what that's going to do is it's going to, in our opinion, it's going to um, it's going to require uh, nonprofits like AFA to to disclose their donors. Uh, where the donors would be on a government website, searchable to the public, so mm. that, that they could therefore be uh, intimidated, maybe even intimidated at the poll, for example. Uh, other things that it would uh, would do away with would be uh, state voter ID laws, uh, state guidelines or laws. Wait a minute, now, people could just show up without a, showing a driver's license or something? That's what they want. That's what they want. Isn't it basically? I say they as in Democrats. As Democrats. Really what the Republicans are, they're they're passing some rules. Uh, They want to go back to pre-pandemic days. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's all they want. But the Democrats want to keep pandemic, you know, sending out uh, absentee ballots to everybody. They want to double down. They want to codify into law what they did uh, by manipulating the law in the last election. Stay alert, folks. Stay alert, that's for sure. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. 888-589-8840. Need to be vigilant today, folks, about all of these things. Your thoughts on COVID and where it's going, your priorities for the election, and what we need to do to watch out for the agenda of the Democratic Party. We're back. 888-589-8840 in a few minutes. Hannah's Heart, a half-hour program specifically designed to encourage Christian couples walking through infertility and miscarriage. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, Mm -hmm. but this is a show that says however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White each Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. You can find the podcast at AFR.net. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. 
Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. I've been an advocate for biblically responsible investing for many, many years, 30 years, because I'm an advocate for permanent income. This is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. I remember having two sisters that had trust funds that I managed. They were family trusts. They were the third generation. They were in their 80s. They had more money than you could shake a stick at. They didn't want for anything. And even them, at one point in time, said to me, do we have enough income to pay our bills, our electric bill? That's all they cared about. I'm telling you, you're going to get to that point. So it's not an investment. It's a gift. It's permanent income. Find out about charitable gift annuities when you call 800-326-4543, extension 345. 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or by visiting afafoundation.net. This time of year, many people make resolutions, but unfortunately, they just don't stick. Franklin Graham. Let me tell you about a decision that you can make today that can change your life, not just for this year, but for eternity. You see, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to take our sins. And he died on a cross and he shed his blood for our sins. And he was buried and on the third day, God raised him to life. If you're willing to trust Jesus, he will change your life, not just for this year, but for eternity. Just pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus is your son. I want to trust him as my savior. And I'm willing to follow him as my Lord from this day forward forever. Amen. Someone is ready to talk with you right now about a relationship with Jesus Christ or simply pray with you. Call 888-388-2683. That's 888-388-2683. God bless you and a happy new year to each and every one. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And we are back on this Monday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today. Just had a good chat with Rob Chambers, our vice president here at AFA of Policy and Legislative Affairs. And he was talking about this bill that uh, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are going to try to force through would basically federalize state elections in this country. AFAaction.net, AFAaction.net. If you want to go there, you will see our action alert that uh, AFA put out in October. So AFAaction.net, Monday, October 18th is when we sent this out. Uh, the U.S. Senate expected to cast a procedural vote today to advance a bill. It's S-2747. And so that action alert will kind of let you know what you could do if you want to call your senator and voice your concern about that. And it's probably a good idea to do that because the Democrats basically are what they're trying to do is, as Rob was pointing out to us, Go back to some of the rules that were put in place because of that pandemic. Uh, you know, getting rid of voter ID. Can you imagine? Uh, and I, I just find it hard to believe. You know, you have to show ID to get on an airplane. You have to show ID to do so many things today. Somebody showing up and saying, I have no ID. Just believe me that I'm a citizen and I live in this area. 
Uh, that's the kind of thing that the Democrats, they're okay with. And then sending out unsolicited absentee ballots, sending out hundreds of thousands, just send them out. Yeah, there's no possibility of fraud with that, is there? All right. So, yes, go to afaaction.net, afaaction.net, and uh, take action on this. Let your senator know that you have concerns. And certainly, you can talk to your senator about, uh, apparently, Chuck Schumer's idea that they may try to get rid of the filibuster, kind of change the rules so that Democrats can push through their agenda uh, without adhering to those rules that have been put in place that Chuck Schumer was certainly for back in 2005 when the Democrats were in the minority. All right, let's go to our phones. 888-589-8840, the number to call. And let's head to uh, Mississippi. And Wayne is on the line. Wayne, go ahead, please. Uh, yes, sir. Good evening, sir. I just want to ask you, yes, sir, about the geoengineeringwatch.org. It gives a man's name and investigated it, yes, sir, back in 1947. In my young years, I remember when the government told the American people, says, no more eating homemade ice cream, and they were using aluminum to take and uh, cover the sun rays, yes, sir, cut the heating down. Okay. Yes, sir. And these little rows you see, sir, it's in the sky that's coming out of the back of these planes. That's not real clouds. That's aluminum. And it, uh, it's uh, hitting our crop growth and uh, also our garden supply. Okay. And it's very interesting, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, okay. Really but you can pull it up and see it for yourself. Okay. The web has all kinds of things on it, doesn't it? All right. Uh, we say hello to Jerry in Texas. Good afternoon. Go ahead, Jerry. Good afternoon, brother. Just Real quick, I want to say it's always good to have you substitute for whoever you substitute. Love hearing from you. <laughs> yeah, they well, they, they let me travel all over the dial here. <laughs> yes, sir. Hopefully, hopefully he's okay. I think I think it's him or his brother. One of them I remember is expecting a baby soon, so I, I pray him for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, let's get to the nuts and bolts of it, brother. Um, I know that for this show, um, I think his name's Rick Green. He substitutes every now and then. He's a constitutional coach. Well, mm. I think that. His biblical constitution class, which starts tonight at 7 o'clock, I believe, still register for, if more Christians would, would listen to that and understand not only what our role as a Christian is in this country, but what our responsibilities are as citizens. Even Paul used his citizenship to in, in his efforts to understand and preach the gospel. He yeah. used his citizenship. I think that we need to get back to the roots of that and understand and hold these people constitutionally, not by all of these other organizations that have been created uh, because Congress didn't want to do their job, such as the FDA, the, C- C- the FCC, and all these other administrations, OSHA, and all these other ones. Get back to the Constitution, brother. That's all I got. Y'all now, Jerry, just uh, it's very interesting, the, the, your comments, because, you know, in certain circles of Christianity today, there has been a push— that Christians should not be involved with politics. And uh, I find that very interesting because if we're to be salt and light in our society today, uh, why would we give over things like school boards uh, to the unsaved world and uh, humanist kind of worldviews so that they get the chance to indoctrinate our kids, which is a huge problem today, which is really what happened there in Virginia when parents found out what their kids were being indoctrinated with uh, they got engaged, and uh, we have seen in November, I remember reading stories, various jurisdictions where conservatives, people who are pro-family, actually ran for office and did extremely well. So uh, 
Christians, the idea that we should be disengaged from the uh, political arena is certainly not biblical, and uh, we ought to be in there and, uh, and, and have a voice. If you're going to be salt, you have to be in an arena where that salt can be felt. To Georgia and Sharon, I believe it is. Sharon, go ahead. Hey, I'm so grateful for what y'all are doing and the education that I'm getting because I never really knew the um, term insurrection. And because you gave the um, definition, I just it just opened up a whole new possibility of what the Dems are trying, the Democrats are trying to do, because if these people that that were instigated by Donald Trump to go and invade the the uh, Senate and, and whatever the yeah Congress, mm-hmm. Donald Trump would be considered an insurrectionist, so he could not be uh, he would not be eligible to run for president again. He could never hold position in government again. That's exactly what we're talking about, this uh, Amendment 14, uh, which comes out of the Civil War. And I think that's part of the agenda, that the Democrats do not want to give Donald Trump a chance to run in 2024. And it also would demonize many of his supporters, because uh, if you look at the mainstream media, they have referred uh, to people who follow Donald Trump by all kinds of names including insurrectionists. I think a lot of people weren't aware. They just thought the media had thought up this term and the Democrats had thought up this term uh, because it's a very strong term. But in reality, it is a legal term. It is in the Constitution. And so, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think we have found out the real motivation behind using the term insurrection. And as I say, the media, they're basically just laptops for the Democratic Party these days. So now you know why they keep referring to it as an insurrection. An insurrection is a armed event, people with arms going up and trying to take over the government. That didn't happen on January 6th. Some stupid things happened on January 6th, but it was not an insurrection. There were no shots fired by those protesters. They broke some windows. They broke through barriers. And they did some things they should not do. Uh, but calling it an insurrection uh, just doesn't pass the litmus test on that one. Hannah in Ohio. Good afternoon, Hannah. Go ahead. Hi. At first, I just want to say I'm so glad that I found your guys' radio station. Oh, good. Um, but I, you had asked about COVID and where we think it's going. Hmm. And I grew up in the church. My preacher, she preaches hellfire. She preaches end of days and what to watch out for. And I honestly believe that this whole vaccine and COVID, they're using it to usher in the beast system. Um, I don't think it's the actual mark of the beast, but I do think that it's opening doors to usher that in. And I also think that it's a form of population control. Our pastor, my grandmother, um, just 19 days ago was diagnosed with COVID and she was 76, healthy as could be, could outrun me. Um, She came down with COVID. Well, she went into the hospital. They diagnosed her with pneumonia first. They wanted to admit her, and she refused. She's a caregiver to my uncle. Within, she declined over the next couple of days. We got her taken to another hospital. 
they prescribed her a treatment plan for COVID. It's what their protocols are in all hospitals around here. I don't know if it's everywhere else, but I know around here it is. And when she asked what the side effects of it was, the doctor flat out said, well, we don't know. But a simple Google search of this medicine will show you that it causes renal failure, which leads to pulmonary edema. So she refused. She said, I don't want that. I'll take my risk. Just treat my symptoms if you can and help me treat the pneumonia. Um, They had her on low flow oxygen the first couple of days, and that was fine. Then they called us to notify us that she qualified for high flow oxygen, which qualified her for an ICU admission. So they did that. She refused the medication, and they continued to give it to her three more days after she refused it. Five days later, after her last dose, she passed away from pulmonary edema. So sorry. Um, so I just, and the, the treatment's being incentivized. So for every bag that they administer to these COVID patients, the hospital's getting a $5,000 kickback versus treatments that are cheaper and more effective mm. and doesn't cause the long-term side effects. Well, Hannah, I'm, first of all, so sorry for your loss. And I've heard other stories similar to yours. And, you know, uh, Dr. Ben Carson said when the history books uh, are written on this period of time, there are going to be a lot of questions that are going to be asked. Uh, one of the things he says, why, why did we not focus on natural immunity? Why were we so slow to even start discussing treatments? and certain treatments that are available. What was the agenda behind all of that? Um, Our caller there from Ohio also bringing up the fact were there incentives for hospitals uh, to do certain treatments? Uh, There's a lot there. And also mentioned something interesting, too, about what's going on right now with, uh, you know, is is this end times forcing people to take vaccinations? We've heard the stories out of Sweden where they're putting a marker underneath the skin of the hand, uh, kind of a vaccine passport. Franklin Graham had some interesting things to say that, about that back a couple of weeks ago, and, and others have talked about it. Uh, I don't think it is the mark of the beast, but it could be a precursor. It could be a conditioning of the population that, yeah, the, you know, the belief that the government is here to take care of you And this is a simple way of doing that. And if you have to have a vaccine passport to go to the grocery store to buy things, then people are more willing if they feel their health is going to be threatened if they don't do it. And so um, I I believe that is the case. I believe the society is being conditioned for things. Uh, You read the book of Revelation. And uh, certainly what we're seeing today uh, would certainly mirror, I believe, uh, this this idea of being conditioned to accept whatever the government is forcing you to do. All right, time for one more call. I think we'll head back to Mississippi, and I believe it's Dennis on the line. Go ahead, Dennis. Hey, good afternoon. Look, uh, uh, love you, thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to say this is not the mark, mark of the beast. Mm. It plainly says in Scripture, when you take the mark of the beast, you will know what it is, and you will take it willingly. Mm-hmm. 
But the main, the main thing I called about is that I've called before and talked to Abraham. There's two, I, this is just my opinion, there's two reasons behind this COVID shot. There again, this is just my opinion. One is money, and two is population control. Mm-hmm. And that's all, that's all I'm going to say. And thank you, brother. Bless you. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for the call. Yeah, I, I think there is, it is, it is very dangerous when there is a political agenda that affects the health of individuals. And that's why we've come full circle. When we started our program today uh, with this poll that's out, that the American people, the pandemic, uh, less than 40% of the American people now think it should be a priority. The number one priority is the economy getting our country back on track. You know, I have to wonder, I have to wonder if there are more and more American people, even though, even including people that really didn't like Donald Trump's personality, I think when they they look back at where we were prior to the pandemic and where the country was, energy independence, uh, people uh, were doing well economically, businesses were being started. Uh, We had uh, increased employment across racial lines. We had all of those things going for us. And then the pandemic comes along and President Trump had to start to do things to deal with that. That's understandable. But the question is now in the minds of many American people, is it time? Is it time to do what we have done with the flu? Learn to live with it, deal with it on a case-by-case basis. But shutting down the country, forcing people to lose their jobs if they don't take a shot, I think the American people are getting over that. And this latest poll certainly shows that. All right. Been great to be with you today. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker. Walker will be back in a few days. In the meantime, stand by for more great programming here on American Family Radio. God bless you and be a blessing to someone else today. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.